challenging financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time for Mortgage Matters. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. Thanks so much for being with us. Hey, if you're traveling southbound on 101, look out on the grade. There's a rollover accident with some lanes closed. I saw Highway Patrol on the scene with... They've got the cones and flares and everything out, but it's definitely place to slow down and be careful dang yeah that'll get backed up wasn't that was there something on the grade on thursday too i saw traffic backed up all the way into pismo wow. and then the highway 40 like for out of morro bay highway 41 was backed up because people were coming over that way so I, I, I assumed it was something on the grade completely weird yeah i felt like i haven't even been able to like uh get down into like watching the news or anything lately there was an earthquake yesterday in los angeles that evidently was substantial i you know i was i'm not sure what the strength of that one was well i saw i saw on facebook some people saying that their house was a real mess from things getting knocked around and falling over I, i felt one down there about two weeks ago you did it was down in oxnard the night before or the night that when it happened, it was like six thirty in the morning. So I still haven't quite woken up, and I'm laying on a air mattress, and I feel the the floor go one way, and the top of the air mattress go yeah. the other a little bit, a little bit disconcerting. But uh, it was only like a four point six, you know. Well, was this earthquake yesterday yeah. was a five point one? Wow, but evidently it was that's pretty good, like pretty jerky five point one that uh-huh. upset a lot of people and shook some things off the shelves. Wow. And now, of course, the the fear mongers are already saying that. Oh, it's the end of time again. Oh, well, it's the second big earthquake in a month, which means that these are um, prompting the big one. So, when I walked in, you guys were talking earthquake preparedness, though. Yeah, we're having an earthquake preparedness expo out at uh, disaster, disaster preparedness yeah, expo. Not more, yeah, yeah, more than at, just earthquakes. Yeah, actually, at the uh, vets hall today in um, San Luis Obispo, right there uh, on Grand Avenue. Yeah, that it's going to be great. Uh, different vendors and out there talking about what you should do to be uh, prepared in the event of a uh, of, um, disaster. So PG is going to be out there. We're out there. A bunch of different vendors out there. That's always a good idea mm-hmm. to be prepared. Yeah. Well, wild. You know what else is in the – before we do the, the news stuff we always do – uh, we have to wish a happy birthday to Mr. Podesto here. Uh, uh, I better get out the birthday song. Dan oh, had no. a birthday this week, and um, so happy birthday, Dan. Thanks. Yeah, I know everybody out there is wanting to wish you a happy birthday, too. Yeah, so. I, I feel the love. It's great. Yeah, so you can do some music beds for <laughs> us, maybe in and out of the commercials. I that with those... There you go. They say it's a birthday. This was a classic in my high school uh, biology class. The teacher had a oh, tape, really? and <laughs> if it was your birthday, he would bring you up to the front of the class and push play on this tape Not and make you st- yeah wow. make you stand up there and be embarrassed to the song. Sounds uh, like you have a cool teacher though. He was a cool guy. Yeah. 
A little bit of a nerdy dude. I think that's what it takes to be a science teacher. Yeah, yeah in high school. Much. But he was a <laughs> kicker for the Dallas Cowboys too, and that earned him some street cred with wow. a lot of us. Wow. You know, hey, that's cool too. If you can be in the NFL. Right. That's a good time. There we are. Well, happy birthday, Dan. Happy birthday, Dan. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Another year. Well, hey. Pretty, um, I had a pretty good week. Did you have a good week? I had a good week. This week was a lot busier. Day, days were full of lots of loans, lots of working on new loans and helping people. And uh, I, I really like that. It's a, and a good indication to me that things are chugging along pretty good. Did bring in um, the usual amounts of data and stuff to talk about. So, and we're mixing up the format of the show a little bit um, lately. We're we have a guest coming in for the second hour, and so rather than doing the middle hour, we're trying to do um, Dan and I doing the our normal stuff for the first hour on these days that we have a guest, and then guests rounding out the second hour. So we'll be doing that today. We have Dan Ferreira. Um, been on the show before but it's going to be a good time we're going to talk some local construction numbers with an expert so i'm i'm looking forward to that and i got to get my notes open and they're not opening you know yesterday when i got to my office i had the um the blue screen of death on my laptop <laughs> and it it came to life but now everything's slow well, there we go. All right. Never gives you a lot of confidence going forward. You just got way too much business going on, and your laptop can't handle it. You know, Jason's hard on electronics, I will tell you. <laughs> that's that's a fact. He's I mean, he's had, I think, three or four laptops in the time that I've had one laptop. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. I can't debate that. But I, mine probably have a lot more miles on them, though, than yours. Like, I bring mine around a lot, and I don't drop it or anything, but it, it gets used a lot harder. Hmm. And, yeah, I do think, I think I'm harder on things in general than you are. <laughs> You're pretty good at, like, being easy and delicate with things, yeah. and I, you know, yeah. I slam things around. Dance Look, it's like bubble wrap before it goes in, goes in my backpack. That's the neat guy, and then you're just kind of the throw it wherever it goes. Bubble wrap <laughs> before it goes into its padded sleeve inside the backpack. That's how you make them last right yeah, there. That's right. That's yeah. right. Well, I, I heard yours is on the last leg, too, so we'll get, we'll get working on that. Well, where do you want to start, Dan? Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I had a good idea of something to talk about again this morning. Um, just I think it, it leads into um, a, a pretty good discussion here is um, this last week, one of the a realtor from Slow here called me up and said, hey, my mother was trying to tell me about this temporary tax thing that if you buy a house they'll like waive your taxes or something and i would start racking my brain and i'm like you know i for the life of me i can't figure out what you're talking about there was some home buyer tax credits but those are all gone and yeah the more we honed in on it, it we finally came to realize that what she was talking about is the um the tax your property tax base where you could transfer your property tax base from one property to another 
And it just reminded me that it's a um, the the program itself is a really great program because if you have Prop 13 protection in a property that you've owned for 40 years, you may have property taxes that are really, really affordable. I mean, whether or not it feels like it in your budget, the, the property taxes, if you've owned the house for 40 years, the property taxes could be $1,000 a year, whereas somebody comes in and buys the house right next to you and they're paying $7,000 a year. And so I think what ends up happening is that a lot of people end up feeling like they can't move because they don't want to lose their tax base. And and believe me, that's a great reason. If your taxes were going to go from $100 a month to $700 a month just because you moved, you probably wouldn't want to move. Um, so in this program, under um, our county has a program where you can under qualifying circumstances, move your tax base from a property that you own to a new property that you've recently purchased or are going to purchase. Is this the move where it's a one time and you have to be over a certain age? Yeah, it's um, 55 and um, or 55 or they make a, there's also exception made for um, folks with disabilities if, you know, for health purposes, if you're less than 55, but you, you do need to move because something's changed health-wise and you need a, a different property. Um, so they, they do make that allowment, but yeah. So if you're over 55 years old, it'll allow you to move your tax base to another property. And it's for your owner occupied residence only and it's also for um you can do it just one time and it has to be a property that's the same ultimately the same or less value you can't transfer your tax base into something that's a lot more expensive than what you had it's not intended to, to give those folks a break well oh. Really? Yeah, you're not going to sell your $500,000 house and buy a million-dollar house and transfer your old cheap tax base into uh, the million-dollar house. I thought that was one of the advantages. I thought that was one of the perks of the Yeah, but if you sold your $500,000 house and you bought a $400,000 house and then got to keep your nice low tax value, your Prop 13 protected tax value, then you could potentially – because. When you're over 55, at least for some people, there's a plan of downsizing into a more manageable house, right? I mean, sure. the kids are gone and all these kinds of things. So it's a, just a little bit, um, you know, more accommodating to have a smaller house. And taxes may prevent you from doing that. So uh, if you're interested at all, you can go to the Slow County website to learn more about that. Um it's a there's a good website they have a pdf that gives you the breakdown of the whole program so i just thought that i'd share that again um it came up from this realtor uh because they had an elderly client that sounded like really needs to move but can't or felt like he couldn't because of the tax deal so um it's a good solution and dan i read yesterday um, some talk about one of the problems in the housing market, why, 
we don't have enough inventory and why properties aren't really changing hands. And it was, it was pretty interesting to me. Did some, um, spit out some data basically saying that 27% of homes that are occupied today really can't be sold for a couple of reasons. And the primary one is that those people still have limited to negative equity. So they can't sell their house and, um, you know, they're not going to short sell it. They don't need to, but so it just sidelines them from being able to transact. If they could afford a higher monthly payment or whatever, they're not going to be able to sell their home. They won't collect down payment money from the sale to buy a new one. Um, so they're just not in business. They're not open to sell anything. They can't be a move up buyer. They keep that segment of the market locked down. The other part of those 27% um, of people are folks that had some sort of a short sale or foreclosure or bankruptcy or just if you didn't even have major drugs in the recession, struggled with paying bills on time and just have credit that prevents you from being able to qualify for a loan today. So those people won't be selling because even if they do have some equity, they can't qualify for a loan with as good of terms as they have now. And so they just stay put. Then that's compounded by um, the fact that we're not building enough homes. And so you, you, the people that do have equity are um, and have credit to qualify for a new loan and would be great candidates to go out and, and buy, they're not, um, they have no confidence because they may list their home and find that they can get into contract to sell, but then they may not find another place to buy and don't wish to go become renters. So kind of tying it back, that was one of the things that made me think, well, if more people knew about that tax, the tax credit thing, and we had folks that were looking to move from their home into something smaller or right-sizing, you know, that could be an avenue to free up a little bit of um, housing inventory. Unfortunately, the tax credit doesn't solve the negative equity problem or the credit problem. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And, or the new construction problem. Right. I mean, it, there's just not enough stuff for sale. Uh, I did see the invent housing inventories are up about 10% heading into this typical buying se busier season in real estate. Is that locally or was that one of the... I don't remember where I saw it, so I don't know if it was... I, I assume it was more on a, a national level um, that, that home listings are up 10%. There was really a slew of housing data, and I kept my notes intact um, from last week. There, so there's a couple of these that are just going to carry over. I've got um, the FHFA Home Price Index, the Case and Schiller um, Home Price Index. Then we've got existing home sales, new home sales, pending home sales. So there was a lot of recent data in the last... Um, 10 days here to, to give us a pretty good idea of what's going on in the house, the housing market. And, um, I thought it'd be a good idea to, to run through those. And, um, this will tie nicely, by the way, into the second hour where we're going to end up talking to Dan about 
construction. I mean, he's he's going to be bringing some data and stats with us about local permits that are being issued. Give us an indication of what's going on here. So um, let's go ahead and do the, the first commercial break here of the show. When we get back, we'll start talking about some of these home price index and um, the uh, other housing indices here and, and, and see what we can glean from that. So do stick around after this short break for more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending, Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. What a state of generosity, look what my agent got for me, just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more, but now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. guys welcome back to mortgage matters this is 1024 here just waiting for the rain to blow in it's supposed to rain later today i'm excited about that i heard there's a couple days we might be in jeopardy of missing softball again this week you're right about that um in the john Lindsay forecast i was reading that there's could be as much as an inch and a half of rain expected next week which would be pretty awesome it's awesome but what i mean come on let's do it on thursday or something let's play softball I feel you. I'm super <laughs> thrilled, though, that it would rain during the week. 
I yeah, like it when instead it of the rains weekend. during the week when I'm at my desk and then give me sunshine. I know. All of a sudden you get a day off. And Sunny Sundays when the rain is all yeah. I want. But it looks like today it's probably going to start raining at about 5 or 6 o'clock, it we'll seemed. See. We'll see. And it still looks pretty blue outside. So you probably have some time to get out and enjoy this weather before the rain sets in. Um, I'm looking forward to some more rain, though. We need a lot. Have you guys been watching the drought tracker? No. We need like 15 inches of rain now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So intensive. I think we've only had like three. Yeah, it's yeah. not that much. Mm. Hey, so I want to dive right into some of this house data stuff. And um, the first one to start with is the FHFA house price index. Um, what's the FHFA? Federal Housing Finance Authority. I always it's one of like ten different home price indices that we get <laughs> yeah. that are all two months delayed. So you know what's cool about this one though? What is cool about that? That this house price index pulls the data out of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. So this so, incorporates refinances that's as right. well as purchases. It, it takes into consideration the appraised value of refinance transactions. The one thing that you got to know about that though is the refis largely base their values on the sales data, but it helps to take a bigger sampling. And the way that the appraisal forms are done today, these things are done on very uniform um, forms. And so the data gets actually uploaded now into Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac's automated underwriting engine, and they can make much more confident determinations about um, the likelihood of this being an accurate value for a home, whether it's a sale or a refi. Um, so this one tracks every single mortgage that's sold to or guaranteed by Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. That makes up quite a bit of the housing stock in the U.S. Um, so from January 2013 to January 2014, Home prices were up 7.4%. And this is one, this is the piece of this that I particularly enjoy. The US index is 8% below its peak of April 2007. So you can, basing this across the whole nation, they're able to see home values and compare to where they were before and the the housing inventory here now is only eight percent below its 2007 peak so i think that's kind of an interesting one um i don't know that we're here um in our county that we're only eight percent below the peak um but this says in and if you're wondering what it translates to in the in the other era Right now, home prices are roughly the same as they were in May of 2005, according to this index. So that's a lot better. You remember a couple of years ago, we were saying, oh, homes are like what they were worth in 02, what they were worth in 03, you know? So we're, we're clear up to 05 now and only 8% below the highest it's ever been. Um, that's generally pretty good news. A two-month lag, though, those are January numbers, and it's not 
it it's sort of taken with a grain of salt because we feel like every month it slows just a little bit further. Well, the S and P Case Shiller Twenty City Index came out and it's it showed a decline in prices from December to January. So the month over month drop, which isn't as telling as the year over year, but it was down 0.1%. So it might be a sign that, I mean, it, it is a sign, I think, that price appreciation's leveling off a little bit, um, at least through the winter when things were slower. Things were definitely slow in that December to January timeframe. Well, most everybody agrees that seven eight nine ten twelve percent which is what was happening for the last couple of years here is a crash course yeah you can't do that and so I, I i think it's just fine that we're seeing these things kind of flatten off a little bit and we'll be seeing appreciation is supposed to be occurring at you know three four five percent not ten so it's a it's a good thing to see it, it chill out just a little bit um so the Case-Shiller home price index, sort of um, not great news. Existing home sales for the month of February. So this one's not quite the same lag. This one's just last month. Um, February, existing home sales declined by 0.4%. The, the bummer about this one in the, in the, the metric here is that it, it marks a declining movement in six of the last seven months. So existing home sales is tracked different than new home sales or pending home sales. Existing home sales are homes that are previously lived in that are existing part of the housing stock inventory. Um, so this doesn't mean that people are having trouble selling these homes but what it points to is that there are fewer and fewer for sale in six of the last seven months so it doesn't really feel like there's an end in sight as far as taking care of striking a, a balance here in the supply and demand um, it keeps all the pressure here on the demand side which is the problem i think New home sales also came out this week and kind of a, a little bit of a, a bummer there too. New home sales showed at a five-month low. Um, so new home sales dropped by 3.3% in the month of February. A lot of blame still on the weather. It's been cold. A little bit of blame here to be placed on rising mortgage rates and costs. Um, you can blame it on whatever you want, but the fact is, is that new home sales are down. And um, year over year, comparing February 14 to February 13, uh, this was negative for the first time since September of 2011. So... Uh, and, and new home sales represent about 10% of overall home purchases. And um, the median home price for a new home fell in the month of February, just slightly, but a negative two, 1.2%, uh, 261800 And um, there were 189,000 new homes for sale at the end of February, which represents a supply of 5.2 months at the current sales rate. So new home sales are slow. The value softened a little bit. The inventory is still pretty short, and that's not a very good um, 
amount of inventory that's left for people to be buying at. So again, not not very strong, kind of making people say, well, is, is housing still doing okay? Um, and then to kind of round it out, we got numbers this week also with pending home sales. And pending home sales, in a normal time, pending home sales are taking consideration properties that are under contract because they'll then be in the next month or the next two months, they'll be in the metric of existing home sales, right? I mean, existing it's sold. New, yeah. yeah, it's sold now. Right. Pending is just, it's something that's It's a sign of contract. things to come. It's yeah. a leading indicator. And pending home sales for the month of February are not only weaker than expected, but as the eighth consecutive decline and it's the lowest level that it's been in quite a while. Um, again, pointing to just a, a lack of property for sale. When you just read the headline, though, it may make you think that the stuff that's being sold is not selling. That, that would be one reason why you'd see a drop in the pending home sales metric, that inventory is just sitting around. But the reality here is that pending home sales continue to fall for eight months in a row now because there's fewer properties coming to market every single month. And that's just, that means that there's a tight market. It's a hard market of those things that we were talking about a little bit earlier a lack of confidence that you could sell your house and find a good, a suitable replacement. Um, there are people that can't sell their house because they've got damaged credit or a lack of equity um, or, you know, whatever reason prevents them from being able to be part of the normal movement of buying and selling real estate. And so these numbers continue to, to show that the, the housing market, um, value-wise and price-wise is maintaining its mark, but everything else is sort of pointing to it's not it's not firing on all cylinders. It seems like supply is really the issue, and once that gets sorted out, then I think you'll be able to meet the demand and kind of figure out where prices are going. Those might even start leveling off even more, which would make for a healthier market. Yeah. So we just need to solve the supply issue. I... I we talked about this last week too, but I wonder if there's a little bit of a crisis in this. I really do. And I, I don't know how to express it yet or to put, to put it exactly into words, but there's going to be sound repercussions for not having built homes for eight years. And at this rate, building a- homes going forward, we're not going to be replacing all of those years of lost homes. So, I mean, and this was talked about a few years ago. It's not new news. We knew we weren't building houses. And the idea was that's a problem on account of you're going to have an an, an intense housing shortage. So, but where are the repercussions negative? Because when I think of that, I think that, well, there's going to be strong demand for housing going forward, which is going to keep some stability in prices there's still some people that believe that you know with the recent run-up in prices you know 15 20 percent year over year there's potential for the prices to come back down i don't really see that especially with the demand so do i as long as there's strong demand doesn't that kind of support these price levels and there may be places in the state or nation where 
if there's enough homes for sale, there could be some folks competing to have to to be able to find the buyer to sell them. But around here, that's just not the case. There's not enough homes for sale. And are the repercussions negative? No, I don't think so. But there, what are the repercussions though? I mean, I'll tell you, it's the first one that comes to mind for me is it makes it hard here if you're a growing family, let's say that you're a local professional and your household's growing and you're in a great two bedroom, one bath house, and now you're on to the second child and you're outgrowing your 900 square foot bungalow and you're ready to go bigger, but you can't, you can't find that house to be able to, you know, so then it, it, does reflect on how difficult it is to be here in the central coast and be making that work where you can't just open the paper and go, you know, drive around and pick from a couple dozen options. At the same time, if you're an employer trying to recruit new talent, the problem with a really low vacancy rate like this is people say, Hey, well, that's great company. And the central coast is beautiful and we love it. Um, how's the housing thing? Well, well, yeah, we got 35 houses for sale, and if you want one, you better you better be bringing it because it's a bloodbath to get one. I mean, the the and this is true. Every day, the homes in this entry level housing of San Luis, there if you put one on the market, you're getting crazy amounts of competition um, for people vying to buy your property. So it makes it harder for I think an employer to to recruit and retain talent. Um, the other thing is that just that it, it creates, it creates a, um, increased home values. Whether or not that's a bad thing, like you could argue all day long, but the reality of it is, is that it, it does, it creates um, a little bit of an artificial, and, and it's hard to even argue that it's artificial on account of it's very real but it drives up the value of real estate and it, it makes it harder for the average person to afford the average house. So I, I don't know what the solution is to that. We're not, we're not just going to start building a ton of homes around here tomorrow. No. And even if you did, there's still, I mean, land is pretty expensive out here. So <laughs> yeah. even, even if we were meeting demand, just the cost to build cost to acquire land cost to build, lends itself to be very difficult to have a you know a two hundred thousand dollar house available or something like that when you're talking entry-level housing you know i think of things like trying to build a business here or run a business on the central coast it's difficult because it's hard to attract the lower level talent in your business because of affordability issues here i think you can you can find those people who demand higher wages because they can then afford the housing it's hard to, to find the people that are more of the um you know the the worker bees in your business because they do have a hard time affording to live here rents yeah. are high they, they i mean buying a home is probably out of the question if you're you're one of those hard working people that has like a middle of the road kind of forty eight thousand dollar a year kind of job you're caught like perfectly in no man's land where there's no way on earth you're going to afford to buy a home like that and with in San Luis, these we were talking about that this week, Dan. These houses are renting for a thousand dollars a bedroom now. Yeah, 
So that puts you in a really tight spot. If you're making three, four thousand dollars a month and you got to budget a thousand bucks for your bedroom a month, that's a pretty big amount of your income going right towards the housing. It, those are the people that really struggle. And I remember that was me when I was fresh out of college. I was right where my problem was and I was married and having a kid and I, I needed something to happen. That was why, you know, I remember talking to the boss man saying, what's it going to take for me to get up to a hundred thousand dollars a year? Cause that's what it's going to take for me to buy a house here, you know? So it, it is all of those things make it, it challenging and, um, we'll see how it all shakes out. But my prediction is it makes it a great time to be owning real estate right now because it's only going to go up in value because of all of these things. And, um, it's a good time. I don't, I don't buy that bubble talk at all. I don't see any of that. It's 1041. We're going to do a commercial break here. Want to take some time out to thank the sponsors that helped make this show possible. So lend an ear, and we'll be back in a minute for more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending, Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. All right, guys, welcome back to Mortgage Matters, solving the world's problems here with housing talk. Um, 
You want to know one of the things I think is likely to happen in coming years, though, to solve this issue of real estate being scarce and expensive and hard to afford and all that? What do you think is going to happen? I think we're going to go into seeing um, 40-year mortgages. Those are like on the list of bad loans when you talk about, you know, to the yeah. CFPB. Yeah, but yeah, but why? Why though? I mean, first of all, a lot of the forty-year type of loans that were around in years past were seldom a forty-year fixed. They were like a forty due in thirty, so they would amortize you over forty years, but you had like a balloon due in thirty years. Yeah, um, I think I think that's why they're viewed in a bad light is because forty-year loans. 40-year terms or pay payment amortization schedules that we saw were linked with balloon payments and or option arm loans because option arm had a 40-year term option as well to get you even lower, lowest payment possible. So th because the 40-year term was linked to those riskier loan features, that's why it's allowed. But a 40-year fixed on its own, I think, is a fine solution. It's really smart. Even, fact, a, even a 50, if, as long as you're paying if I a was, fixed rate that you can afford and you're paying some principal. If I was on deal. some advisory council somewhere trying to look at how you stimulate this economy without doing bailouts and you know tax breaks and all this wild stuff that we've given a run at for the last little bit here, I think it'd be awesome to introduce a 40-year loan term across the board. And let everybody that's interested in refinancing into a 40-year term do it. It will free up a pretty good amount of the, um, the cash flow that households have to afford. It will create more affordability. The, um, the reason that we have 30-year terms, it can only be linked to um, that's the reasonable loan term for the economic life of a home. And but the economic life uh, that was the economic life of a home a long time ago. I mean, a home 70 years ago. Yeah. A home now is, does, I mean, can last a lot longer. Well, and we know. Yeah. Some of the lean twos that were built in the 1800s and stuff didn't exactly survive. And at some point you would say, you know. I, that thing was like the foundation is a pile of rocks and it doesn't really have yeah. any plumbing and it sure would be nice to have some electrical in it. And so rather than play around with that, it's just more cost effective to build a new structure over here and abandon this thing, reuse what you can and let it rot in the sun. Where today we know that with this new history, we know there are people in San Luis that are living in houses that are 110 years old. Yep. We know that the value of a home, especially in it, on its site where it sits in town, that it's worth lifting this sucker up and redoing the plumbing under it and giving it a modern foundation. We know that when it has... Um, deterioration on the on the roof or the siding or the windows we know that by and large people see the value in bringing that stuff up to date doing the maintenance and remodeling and keeping it alive and well so with that being the the kind of shift in how long these things last why not why not a 40-year term i think it makes perfect sense it's you know the loan term should match the 
the duration of the of the underlying collateral and homes last for in excess of 40 50 like you said up to 100 years maybe longer well at the same time your grandparents were offered a 30-year loan term and their life expectancy is not as long as yours sure you're expected to live 10 years longer than them we have these issues of people not saving correctly for retirement um, we have issues of you're needing to work much farther. Retiring today may not be an option for people at 60 like it used to be. You may need to work into your 70s. So if you could do that and have a little bit more loan term while you worked those longer years and lived that longer life in your house that you know is going to last longer, why not? I think it's a it's a reasonable solution that could make a pretty big splash and yeah it's, it's funny a safe to me and that... stable loan it's and it it matches it more than meets the the average life of the house and it, it solves affordability issues yet, it's a great solution yet no one talks about it in fact you're right it, the 40-year loan is like listed on the taboo list of it's excluded as do a, that. it's not it would never be a qualified mortgage according to the cfpb and i'll, I'll just point out real quick that just because it exists doesn't mean everyone would use it either. Because oh, no. last year... People still want to pay off their homes. They want to Freddie own their own. Freddie Mac said that in 2013, like 39% of people that refinanced elected to take shorter loan terms. So they, you know if you sign up for a 40-year loan, you're not going to pay it off as soon as the guy that signs up for the 15-year loan. And if you understand that and you make the choice that you make, so be it. You couldn't make the argument that, if, oh, if you do that, everyone's going to go to 40 years and you're going to screw everything up. No, people aren't even, almost half of the people didn't even take the 30-year loan last year. They elected for something shorter. So there's proof enough. Hey, we've got a caller on the line. We've got... Dan calling from Oceano. Hey, I got a good one for you guys. Oh, I'd love to uh, hear it. You need to make sure that you check this thing out when you, you know, are doing a, you know, a piece of property that has, uh, you know, some rental income. Uh-huh. This is really scary. I got a friend, and, you know, she bought this property 18 years ago. And it's, you know, it's in uh thought it was R2, but it's actually, you know, multifamily, even, you know, higher density. But do you realize that if you buy a house that, you know, here's a piece of property that's got, you know, separate gas, separate electrical meters, and uh, you can't rent out. This thing was built, you know, like in the 60s. They had to go really archive this thing. you got to rent the whole property out. They won't and, allow. Uh, they won't allow them to like live in part and rent out the other. No, you can live in part and rent out the other if you do a you know complete thing. But for you know since 1960, it's been rented out as two separate structures, and then you got somebody that doesn't pay the rent, takes three months to evict them, and they go down to the county and cost you thousands of dollars, and you realize that this thing was, you know, considered a guest house. Oh. Even though it's got separate meters, and you can't rent them out of separate properties. Wow. Go figure on that one. That's really interesting to me. I don't have a lot of experience no, in the... No, I mean, this, this is absolutely insane. Yeah, I don't and have a lot of experience in the eviction law. What they're you know, doing is basically you want to evict 30% of the people in Oceano. That's basically what they've done. 
Wow. And this is a scary thing. I mean, it's, you know, it's, you know, I'm looking at this and I'm going, this is insane. Because it doesn't have a legal separate address or something? I don't understand that. It doesn't have a separate APN. Huh. So if you buy a place that's got two units on it and it doesn't have eight, two APNs, better watch out because you can't legally rent those two separate properties out, even if they have separate meters in the county. Just to let you know, the scary flags are going up. But, I mean, this thing is just like, you know, you know, it's been 18 years renting this property, and now she's looking at, she's got to come up with somehow she's renting the property as a single property. Freaky. Freaky. Check out the county thing, but, you know, you're talking about affordable housing, man. Let's see how much affordable housing we can throw out the window on this one, but... uh you know, if you guys want more information, give me a call and I'll show you all the stuff. But it's like, you know, it's sort of a, it's sort It'd be of interesting. Like a property rights issue. It'd be interesting to have somebody from um, the city or, or county come on and talk about that. I, I don't know that I completely follow how it is that legally these, you know, because it makes me think of a fourplex, for example, where there's... Unit A, B, C, no, and you're D? Fine. No, you're fine with a fourplex. Okay. If it was permitted as a fourplex in the 60s or the 50s or the 30s, but if it wasn't, you know, if it was the 30s, for instance, and you have like a house you've been renting out, realize that you can't rent that house out unless as a separate property. Even if it's in multi, multi, uh, you know, multi-family R two, R three, R four, whatever maximum density, you can't rent that thing out, and that's going to maybe affect being able to get a loan, showing that you can get rental income. Perhaps, yeah, it'd be interesting to explore that further, Dan. Thanks for the the no, phone I call. Mean, I mean, seriously, check this out. This is. You know, but it just For takes sure. somebody you got to evict and go push some buttons and, you know, even get a judgment against them. And, you know, you're screwed against the wall. I mean, it is, it's, it's sort of insane. People need places to live. Agreed. And you realize that if you're buying a piece of property, you better make sure that it's a second dwelling and not a um, guest house. Sure. If it's, you know, not done in, you know, back in the 60s, you could have something that's been going on, like, you know, for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. You get a complaint, and then all of a sudden, you got a piece of property you can't bring uh, income down on. And that can make a big difference for somebody wanting to buy some investment property. So... It's that an interesting situation. Anybody buying anything that's got a rental unit, you better make sure it's got a second, second, uh, secondary dwelling designation. Even if for years, even if you have separate meters and everything, you got permits, you got everything for the meters to go in there. That you know is considered a guest house, and you got to rent it all with that one piece of property. 
It's an interesting situation, Dan. I know the secondary unit thing is is a hotly debated topic. I know it was actually on the Morro Bay City Council agenda this past week was a issues of getting conditional use permits and things for stuff like um, secondary units in, in Morro Bay. Um, I know, Jason, I know that as an underwriter, you ran into um, the grandfathered use, the non legal non-conforming type uses of properties. So do, isn't there some allowance that if a property's been used in such a way for a period of time that it kind of gets grandfathered in, even if it's not necessarily uh, a permitted or yeah, in fact, conforming? It, you you would go from a lending standpoint, I would require that some party to the transaction visit the city or county and get a letter of basically a, the allowment of a legal non-conforming use. And you're exactly right. There's And there's plenty of places around the county where, like for Los Osos, for example, there are things that have been happening in Los Osos for longer than the planning laws and zoning laws have been in effect there. And some of those, try to think of a good example here, might be a house that's a duplex in a neighborhood of single family zoning. Or here's, here's a better example then. Up in town, at the top of Marsh, you have those bungalows or craftsmen's that at one time were a residential use and they've been made into a commercial zoning and the idea is that through time it's going to be transferred over those are going to become office professional if you live there residentially they're not going to throw you out and make you move but if your structure is mostly destroyed you may have to build it back at the current zoning standards so if it you know they'll allow it to continue on as is but if there's a significant problem then it's going to need to be rebuilt in a conforming way that does go right along with what the current laws are so there are definitely issues where some use of a property, be it two units or a change from residential to commercial or whatever, is not in accordance with what the zoning would allow, and it's still lendable, and it's still legal, and it's still okay. But what Dan brings up to me is, a, is an interesting thing, though, is that if I understood what he's saying correctly, is that it's in the there's a difference here in the eviction law, and that somehow or other the fact that these people are occupying a part of a property that has seemingly always been a legal and acknowledged second unit that they weren't allowing people to be um, evicted from those units and it, it sounds funky to me I'd, I'd like to do a little bit more research on it but yeah those things are relatively common and we know how to address them so Hey guys, it's just before 11. We're going to do a commercial break here. It takes a few minutes. This is the top of the hour break. When we get back, we'll have another hour to go. We're going to be joined by Dan Ferreira. We've got some exciting talk about local construction type of things. So stick with us for more Mortgage Matters. Thanks for being with us. It's 11.05. we 
got this whole hour to spend with you here, and we're quite excited about it. We, as threatened, brought a guest into the studio now. We got Dan Ferreira. Dan, thanks much for coming in today. Thanks for having me, guys. You're not new to the show, for sure. It's been, uh, this, this is what, probably the third time, fourth time? This is the third time. Third time. Am I wearing out my welcome yet? No, okay. not at all. In <laughs> fact, I was thinking it's been a while. It's been probably more than a year. Yeah, well, it gets tough with T-ball season and some other big <laughs> commitments. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Tell me about it. I mean, we've been doing it every Saturday for like six years or something. It It's a definitely a time commitment. But So it'll be interesting to kind of catch up with you on the change in um, sentiment, strategy, and opinion about how things are going now versus the last time you were on the show. So I was trying to think about what was going on then. Well, I think I think last time I was in was late was uh, early fall last year, probably six months ago. So not huge changes, but just coming around the new year. I mean, it's in general, people excited, ready to go. I mean, everybody comes out with a new attitude in January, <laughs> whether they make resolutions or not. So aren't those all given <laughs> up on now? It's March. I think that's about right. <laughs> Every time I write a check, I think. It's March. I haven't gotten anywhere I wanted to get, but no, we're, we're tracking. I think uh, our company, along with a lot of other builders, just came out with a new fresh attitude, new year, a lot of new goals. Um, a lot of the private money that we rely on to do our work, whether that's our clients' private money or investors' private money, seems to be flowing a little freer. So that's a good sign. And as we'll dive into in the stats in a little bit, um, you know, about half of the building is done with Big investor money from big corporations, spec building, and then the other half is done by single-family residents one at a time, and they both rely on the liquidity of the money. So it seems to be moving freer. We've been talking a lot about new construction and, and how it's so critical. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the show last week, but we were talking about kind of historical building permits issued nationally compared over the last 10 years. And really been a, a a sharp decline in the amount of permits pulled and new homes constructed and it and it seems to have gone on now for about eight years so it feels to us like there's an an extreme lack of supply now which is making it kind of difficult and from a builder's perspective i'm curious to know is this an issue where um are you guys not building like crazy today because you still can't make money off of building or is it just that it's a liquidity and and entitlements problem well again i think it's kind of a two-pronged situation because half of the building gets done by uh when i keep throwing the number half out because statistically in san Luis county about half of our permits pulled over the last five to ten years have been production building permits meaning Shea Homes, Mangano Homes, doing these nice big developments in different areas. So they rely on a longer cycle from when they purchase land, develop, they're putting in roads and they have entitlements. So they're in a you know three to five plus year cycle to get that product on the market. So they're gonna take longer to rebound from the downturn. And they got caught holding more and that sort of thing. So they have their own issue of just getting their companies back into a, a space where they're ready to unload lots of money and then the, the time it takes to get that to market, a couple of years at best. 
we've seen some of the bigger builders in our county continue to release even though they might have bought that land real expensive you know seven or eight years ago they're still able to release 20 30 homes a year in these developments and make money so that's great so that's been a good thing i think they've been slow to they've been building much slower than they originally planned but they're still going at a decent rate we've got bigger developments in town doing the same thing now the the problem for the the companies that are more identified with where i'm at where we're maybe doing you know a half a dozen builds a year is we're we're relying on money from uh, our clients who want to go they the onus is on them to find a piece of property they like make sure it pencils make good decisions buy that property hire us to build so there's a little some more variables in there it is a quicker cycle but um they we have to find a deal that makes sense so they're out there that's why it's happening again but they're but in our county finding land that's ready to build on that makes sense to build on there's not infinite amounts of it so i think just the again the supply like you said of land that at a at a good enough price to build on has been the problem in our county so i mean sometimes i go find this dirt and everybody gets excited about it and you start crunching the numbers and it just doesn't make any sense at all and you have to move on to the next one is that is that the main factor and why we're not seeing more building going on right now i mean i'm sitting here you provided us a lot of numbers going all the way back to 1990 about building permits and based on just the first quarter of this year we've seen about 100 permits pulled which seems like it's about 15 to 20 percent of of peak activity in the early 2000s and maybe you know still a third of just normal activity so is that because land is still expensive the numbers just aren't penciling or is there a little bit of are builders still recovering credit wise maybe is that holding people back well we saw the number of smaller builders probably cutting you know a tenth i would say in the last five years i mean i'm not a i'm not a 30-year builder in the county and yet I show up on reports of top 50 builders. That that should not be happening, really. <laughs> There's just not as many people in the game as there used to be. So if you're putting three or four homes in the ground a year, you're you're one of the guys, which is amazing. Wow. So um, th- there's there's that factor, just that a lot of people, it was time to throw in the towel. And I and I hear why when I talk to some of the guys who have cooled off, that the margins that they were able to run their business at eight or nine years ago are triple what we can run at today. So just who, who wants to go to work and, and kill themselves and take on all the liability and all the work of, of running a, const, a construction or design company and, and maybe make a little money at the year? I mean, you have to run a multi-million dollar company and you walk away with ten twenty thousand dollars $20,000 profit at the end of the year. That, that's, that's risky. And so I think a lot of people chose to cool off and get out of it. Um, the ones who are in it, you know, we don't have the capital to put out there and have 10 projects going on our own dime and... and and then when you go to the lending side, the construction lending disappeared altogether until just recently. So I think that combined, I mean, the is just put a halt on it all. Yeah, we're, I, I know we've had several small projects, um, you know, seeking financing come, come up here just in the last month or so and finding money sources. It's out there, but it's even now, it's still... I'm getting five bit, calls a, a bit day tentative. for construction financing. And what do you guys have to offer right now? So what we have to offer is sparse. In fact, um, I'm not much of a salesman when it comes right down to the brass tacks of this thing. So when I get a phone call, it's usually like they are calling sometimes locally, but 
oftentimes, like the, I had a phone call yesterday with some folks from um, San Francisco. We're looking to build a place where the construction costs were going to be $1.5 million, right. and they own the lot. That's what they want to borrow. And it's like, you know, right out of the gate, let me just be totally upfront with you. There's a lot of companies that say they can do construction financing, and then it turns out they really can't or won't. Mm -hmm. If you're being advertised to and believed that getting construction financing with no skin in the game at 5%, that's not going to happen. No. The landscape today is you're positioned best if you own your lot with no financing against it. The construction loan does not want to go into second position. Um, if you do have a small loan against it, they will pay that part off to get themselves into first position. It's 80% of the project value is typically what they're willing to lend to. And sometimes as far as 90 for like a, a the really the right setup, I think with a borrower that's really strong in terms of income, assets, credit, maybe a history of having done something like this before, Interest rates today on something like this are still in the 8%, maybe sometimes even plus range, and you're not getting a loan like this for no closing costs. The right. people that are helping handle this, by the time all is said and done, I think we're going to see the average transaction paying three to four points in closing costs to make something like this happen. So you got to have, you know, on average, a quarter million dollars of collateral yeah. ready to go, already into the project, and then you got to have cash to take care of that 10, 20% of the loan plus closing costs. So it's not the normal person no. who can do this. And like you said a minute ago though, that some of these guys in terms of builders, you don't wanna go lay out 10 million bucks and hopes to make a hundred grand. There's right. too much risk for the return. So it's not surprising that these first few banks that are reemerging and saying, you know, there is a need for construction financing. We're gonna be a part of it. You better bet they're making sure that they are getting an ample return for what it is that they've got to lay out and they're going to be careful about the projects and people that they're engaging so you know the other thing about this construction financing component is it's one thing to call up and get pre-qualified and i'll give you the metrics about what the program involves and how how it is that you're going to get in and out of the construction with your takeout loan and all that kind of thing love to have those conversations you don't get a construction loan this was kind of the deal with the people yesterday said oh yeah, we need this construction loan um we haven't bought the house yet or the lot yet we're, we're all of these things going on and i said you know the construction bank wants you to be permits in hand before they're going to lay you out you know right. take your application in and, and get you through the process and, and lay out all that time and resource on finding whether or not you're viable there it's not a tire kicker thing so, so you might be fifty thousand into the process in soft costs just totally and that's the other thing is that you have to actually have some gumption to go and say i'm willing to buy this lot Go through the permit process. Get get to this point. Yeah, lay out thirty, fifty thousand bucks before I'll then apply for my construction loan and find out what those terms and all that's going to be. So it's a, it's still, it's still pretty well frozen. I guess I'll yeah. say is there's opportunity to borrow, but it's not widely available. It's not 5%. It's, it's not very no different money down. though, depending on whether you're an owner who's planning on building your residence mm -hmm. 
to live in mm-hmm. versus a spec situation. You can sure. find some construction to perm for right. the owner right. occupying build where you are looking at, I mean, they're adjustable rate, but they're three and 4%. So those do exist. When it's the spec side, it's essentially really just hard money, right. 60 loan to final value, you know, 65 to 75 loan to cost type. So you do have to have a substantial amount in the project and the, the lender wants to be protected. Yeah. So if the average builder is a two to five million dollar company, he's got to free up somehow hard money or his own, you know, several hundred thousand dollars to do a speculative project. And that's just not going to happen to too many people at this point. So there is some private money. And I think that's what's spurring some of these speculative onesie twosies, which is great for our community to see these infill projects going on. And that's where our company's concentrated now is let's pick off some lots that you know that have looked horrible for years no one's wanted to touch but they pencil out nice we have some private money let's build out two or three get them on the market you know put a quality product out there for people something that goes well with our city um it's, we're not doing a track production style just infilling looking for low-hanging fruit and and start to build a name of quality homes that people can afford that get in can get into the great part is if you can find your way through the the financing conundrum the day you finish that project, at least in our experience with our building costs and whatnot and the way we advise clients, you've got equity in the home. So if you can get all the way through it out the other end, whether it's a major addition or a new construction in a, on a certain strategic lot, at the end of the day, you're actually in a good position. You just got to find your way there. Yeah. A little bit of, little bit of planning, a little bit of hard work, a little bit of risk, a little, little bit of reward. A little, little, hopefully a lot. Yeah. Hey, it's 11.20. We're going to take a first commercial break here. When we get back, we could go ahead and take some phone calls. If you guys got questions, comments, or opinions, we'd like to hear from you. 543-8830, 543-8830. Stick around after this short break for more Mortgage Matters. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending, Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543 Loan. Just call 543 Loan. Just call 543 Loan. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks. I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. 
For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. Guys, welcome back. Thanks for being with us. We're in the studio today with Dan Ferreira, and this guy's a a go-getter. Uh, I, it's fun. You're a construction management major from Cal Poly, right? That's right. That's right there in the uh, the sister buildings to the, my old stomping ground in city and regional planning. I often wonder if what I could have made of myself going down that planning route. <laughs> I, I, I did sure enjoy it, but uh, the politics and stuff just was not. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different world. I put my heart and soul into my last um, project that I delivered packets to the planning commission for that evening to go on the agenda. And when they came and voted and I realized that several of the packets that I had delivered hand delivered were unopened and unreviewed before the strong opinion votes flew i was like you know i'm not gonna make a career of spinning my wheels and so i I bailed on that but um it sure is fun though to to get to sit down with you and um talk a little bit about this stuff i know that we could really only scratch the surface of it here but i want to hear a little bit more about the um, you said that you guys have a, a project going on in town. Is this a, a speculative build? Yeah, we, we can't ignore the fact that there's that need for housing you keep, you keep uh, mentioning. And so we've partnered with a couple private individuals to develop a few lots in town. They're not quite public yet. Maybe next time I'm a guest on, I'll be able to really, really promote them because we'll have it all the way through. But um, these are complicated products. You go in, you find a lot. You do. You got to go research a hundred years back, find out why there's an easement here. No one can build on, and go through a legal process of getting that easement removed. And um, we've probably wait. What, I want to say we've invested six months, <laughs> six months and many thousands into, you know, getting the lots uh, legally set up to where they can be built. And sometimes you drive around town and you see why is that lot just a pile of weeds in the middle of a neighborhood? And and there's a reason usually, and it takes somebody who's willing to get in there and figure it all out before it's ready to go. So we've got a couple like that. They're in great locations right in Old Town. Um, we have one out in the county up in Cambria that we're looking at. Uh, there'd be just gorgeous. We're we're trying to really choose, pick and choose what projects we get involved in because we really want our name associated with the homes we put on the market to, to start to mean something more and more. So when, when these come out, I think they will be real exciting things for people to see and get excited about. I mean, especially if you're a neighbor, get rid of an eyesore and bring in something sweet. And something that's like premium product is going to raise your value. That's right. You're supposed to buy the 
crummiest house in the nicest neighborhood, right? That's and, I think ours qualify for that. And <laughs> even if you, ha- but even if you have a pretty decent house, and then somebody erects a brand new, awesome, you know, modern, up to date home right next door to you, that's only going to help you, right? Especially if you got rid of that pile of weeds that you know nobody was wanting to look at anymore. Right. I, I've lived in the town here with my family for 12 years, and it really does feel like you've got the old 1960s ranch house that hasn't been touched or, or, or predating that. And then you've got brand new housing, and, and there's not much in between. And, you know, so if you can come in and build something in context that gels with the neighborhood, but it's got all everything that you're looking for in a brand new home, and it's a price point that someone can afford, I mean, that's, that's exciting stuff. Last time we were talking to you, you were you were kind of kicking the bushes a little bit too for people that were looking to do little add-ons and um, fixing up properties, and you know for a variety of reasons. Um, you guys still doing that kind of work? We are. It seems to be these. So these statistics I've given you that show that um, we're running around let's see 2012 2013 total permits pulled single family residence 524 um, which is up from the couple years before slightly Um, we're usually in our county running for remodel addition permits about triple that so are these building permit numbers these are both brand new builds as well as remodel no this is just single family new residence okay so and the and about half of the numbers you see the last few years have done in about four different developments in the county. So what we got 524 new single family uh, permits pulled in 2013, uh, which is up from around 300 350 over the last couple of years. Uh, half of that 524 is done by three builders in wow. you know down Shea Homes, uh, now Mangano Homes here in town. So. Those are planned communities that have been, you know, around for a decade that they've been working on uh, getting off the ground and releasing homes. So that really leaves 200 and change that are built, you know, for people, by people, you know, in in less than huge releases. So, But you said that's typical to have about half of the permits pulled for, by big projects. Over the last five years, from what I researched, that's typical for us. So I, I, when we go back to 2007, where we boom up to 1,000 permits, and then 2006, we're at 1,600, and then up to 2,000 permits in 2005, I don't have information that kind of breaks it down back then to see how many of those were production build versus you know single specs or built to suit custom homes. Um, but the last five years, we've been running about 50-50. Hmm. So you know, only 200-plus homes built by the majority of the builders in our county you know, three or four builders taking care of the balance of it. So you figure how many builders are there in town, you know, in our county. There's quite a few, and we all are sharing 200 homes. Yeah, sometimes I wonder how some of the builders make it, and I I don't know that all of them do. I don't know that they do. I mean, there's it's a changing landscape, we could say that. But, the, again, there's probably what we've seen, and I didn't bring all those numbers today, is about triple that. So we've got 500 new construction, single-family residents. We've got about 1,500 remodel addition permits pulled in the county. And some of those are significant. You know, some of those are knocking stuff down to a wall. We had one last year where we took it down to a wall and went back up, uh, which has a lot of advantages for the homeowner. And and so, that you know, it's their $300,000, $400,000 projects, even though they're remodels. Wow. So we are still doing the the uh, our classic, we call it, 500-square-foot master bedroom addition because every ranch home built in the 60s and 70s in town is perfect except for 
the master bedroom's dinky and has, has no bathroom. <laughs> yeah. you know? right. So if you take that 1,200 square footer, 1,100 square footer, and you spend $70,000 and you put this uh, a killer master suite on the back of it, now you've got a you know a 1,600, 1,700-square-foot that a, a growing family can stay in. And again, usually the project finishes, it translates to equity. So they're good. They refi and they're, they're off and running. And they're stoked because they don't have to move. They've got their home that they love, and they're able to have a custom element to their house, which was really pretty plain beforehand. Mm -hmm. So we are still doing those. We've probably done half a dozen last year, so we're kind of every other month we start another one. How confident are you as a builder? If you know (laughs) they they have these home builder confidence surveys, and you know if if the if the phone were to ring to call you for their sample, what would you tell them? We don't tackle things unless we're confident. And the team that we've assembled at our company, which is a 12-person team at the moment, is pre- is really unique in the way we approach things. If anyone were to take the time to stop in our office and just chat with us, which you're always welcome to do, uh, I think you would experience something very different than what you're expecting uh, in a builder. We have an in-house interior designer and coordinator who basically is just in charge of taking care of that client, helping them select everything for their project right in-house. All of our buying, everything we buy or subcontract is with an exclusive team or with buying channels where we are directly buying from manufacturers. So when someone walks in and says, I want to do white subway tile in my shower, the nerd in me can spit out, it's 363 a square foot for Dow tile, you know, vintage white or standard white tile. And there's an $80 surcharge to get it from Bakersfield to here on the load. That's the level we take it to with every product. So it takes... It, it does allow us to be pretty confident with what we do. Um, we don't use rough order of measurement, square foot kind of pricing to do things. We, you know, we really do have a system that takes a lot of the, the mystery out, which takes a lot of the risk out, which allows us to be really confident. I guess, I guess the question I'm looking for is more about the, the environment. Your sentiment. How, how confident? Within the economy. Your oh, gotcha. Place in the <laughs> that's, I mean, hey, that's a good answer. That was too. A, yeah. That was, <laughs> I'm confident about myself. <laughs> you know, the, the crazy part is we have been slammed for the last four years. We so go, on a scale of one to ten, yeah. you'd say you're. I'm con- we're not. We're. I'm not making any plans on anything slowing down. Every projection okay. I have. Sat down with the insurance guy yesterday. Had to sign my new policy for next year. What's your gross sales going to be? What's your payroll going to be? And. You know, we undershot it the year before and had to pay $50,000. Don't you love that? Yeah, that was nice. (laughs) So uh, $50,000 in insurance that we should have been paying, but because we grew so fast, you know, we outgrew our policy and it doesn't adjust, but annually. So we put some more realistic stuff together, but again, it's got, it's, you know, we're still a small enough company where growth is, is just huge. And so we're, we just see adding this speculative build you know, things that we mentioned earlier, adding to our uh, offering as well as build to suit stuff. And we're not slowing down. I mean, if anything, what we're trying to do is leverage the momentum we have into something really substantial that the community can grab a hold of, that they can say, I want to buy that home by that builder. Translate all the activity we're up to right now into something brand in a brand that people can identify with. So probably the same way you guys are too. I mean, Central Coast Lending has had products on the market, people have been using it, and now the products are changing, but the brand remains, they're still coming back. So we're kind of in that same phase where we're going, you know, this industry is gonna continue to move around, but we just want our name to be really something people can come to and rely on. So I'm confident. That's good to hear. Yeah, I'm not changing industry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have that view of that, um, the private builder too. 
when they do a lot of the home builder sentiment surveys and stuff, they're calling guys from Kaufman and Broad or, you know, whatever these huge builders that are, like you said, they're maybe they're done licking their wounds from what was happening a few years ago, but they got the stuff they got going on is like three to five year turn and they're, they're, their indices have actually been falling recently. New home sales and um, in in that kind of stuff, it, it sounds like it's not maybe where all the steam is. And that's always a little tricky thing. But I, I feel like the um, when I used to, I, I bent some nails for a few years for a paycheck. And um, we used to be a part of a project like this one. This one deal that we did was um, like 30 buildings of basically six units per building and it went off in phases so it was like all the grading and then foundation and then we'd framed this one and framed that one and just went from the next to the next and it was all just slap them up and by the end of it you're like yep yeah, you need that header beam over there in the bathroom door you don't need to pull a tape on it again it's like the last 180 of them you did you right. know it's 42 inches and so you just go cut it and slap it up and what i found on the the track stuff like that where everybody kind of is in autopilot is that the quality seemed to suffer to me and and honestly the material like when when i was at the same time we had another project we we're building like a, a build to suit custom home for this um great family and when you were sitting down to you know whether you were putting some case on a door or a TNG ceiling, you'd look at a piece of board with one eye and go, oh man, I think has got a nasty bow in it and toss it in another pile. Mm -hmm. When I'm slapping up, you know, in the 40th unit over here, you're not hand selecting boards, man. It's right. like, hey, hold that in down. I'm going to shoot it in the middle and we're going to try to like bend this puppy down into place. So I wonder if enough people are kind of like burned out on that whole track gig where you sacrifice some quality. Yeah. You really do. I mean, you do I, the way if, if you learned about the contracting method that they do track home building with, then you would get it. I mean, everybody who bought a track home, you walk in. I just tell people who are looking at them, just go in eyes wide open. Just know that every single sub on that job was the low bidder. They might have even screwed up on their bid. They did everything they could to get in and out as fast as they can, which, you know, most you, we're always doing in business, but that's to a whole nother level. Um, the majority of the work's been done by piece workers, which w there's nothing wrong with that. But when it when it's done on that scale, so that mean, meaning instead of the framer being a team of five guys who work together every day, they hire 50 new guys and they pay them for every stick they put up. So and no longer is there like a synergy or collaboration with, within the team. There can be, but it's not there intrinsically. It's not there because they've been working together for years and it's years. It's not about efficiency. Yeah. It's about, it's just all about this guy's, each guy, whether it's the drywaller, the stucco guy, or the framer is getting paid by piece. And so he's working as hard as he can, as fast as he can, uh, and he's to, to get it done. And the quality, the, the, you can maintain quality, but you have to have a separate quality control element. And I think that's where the, some spec builders shine over others as far as the track builders. You know, can they maintain that quality in the midst of a high production piecework environment? And some of them do great. You know, and so it's, it is there at the same time, we just did an addition for a great family in town. And, uh, as part of it, they wanted us to tackle some other things around the property and build some retaining wall and things like that. They had a fence, an old redwood fence that was falling down around the property from the fifties. We took that thing down instead of chucking it. We, um, sent it off to our painter 
he hits it with two coats, a clear coat, and they've got the a 50-year-old redwood uh, headboard that clads this whole, you know, and it costs like $500 to do this whole thing. So elements like that that really make a home, you're just not going to get in a production build. One of the really cool production builds that happened just down the street here in town off Lawrence Street, I know two clients who bought into it and immediately spent $50,000 remodeling it before they even moved in. And I, I don't think that's atypical either. So it's just a different building experience, really. So you think? do you think there's any change in sentiment about people wanting that product? Or do you think it's all the same to the average consumer? Well, I, money, I think it comes down to the way the dollars and cents. And you can walk up and buy a production-built home as resale, get conventional lending. So as long as the whole industry is geared that way, it's going to be hard to overcome that for the average person. Yeah. Um, I, I, when we sit down with people, I'm really happy to show them the the economy of certain projects. We have a couple clients now taking small houses and making them 3,000 square foot houses, things like that. We had a client come the other day, wants to build, has plans. We sat down with them. We were $300,000 to build their brand new home out the door, site work, everything. And they were, and they were just shocked. And I said, this is a simple home. It's, it's, it's 1,800 square footer. Like, we went through it all. They kept it simple. They, they had things they cared about. They didn't care about, you know, and we went through it all. So you don't have to pay over the top to do a one-off build. You really don't. But um, I don't think most people have a capacity for that. You know, the, the, if you can walk up, get traditional lending and buy your first home, that's just an easier route altogether. So as long as the track builders offer that convenience, I think they'll still. Yeah. Yeah, there is something to be said about how easy it is. And. You know, the, the funny thing is, is that it comes all the way back to the money. Those dudes got some money and they, you know, whether or not they're doing some kind of big blanket financing to build or using the family's reserves, you know, they've, they've got the ability to float it and bring it to market. And for that, you got to be thankful. I mean, if we were absent of those track builds and the half of the construction that occurs from those big bulk permits like that, It'd be a lot tighter around here for inventory. So yeah. there's a place for it for sure. Yeah. Go time, huh? All right. 1140 here. We're going to go ahead and take the final commercial break of the show. When we get back, we'll have some final thoughts and wrap up. So stick with us for more Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending, Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. 
through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change. Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back to Mortgage Matters. I'm Jason, currently the meat in the Dan sandwich. I got a, a Dan Podesto and a Dan Ferrer. You knew that was coming, right? <laughs> Dreaded it. <laughs> if I say anything positive, uh, it's a little fishy. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm happy to be here with you, Dan's. Um, well, hey couple quick things. Number one, if you guys want to call and ask a question about a project or something you had in mind, something that you want to ask the expert, we got one right here. This guy's pretty well versed in everything related to your new construction or remodel, whatever kind of project you got going on. Take the opportunity to um, use that to your advantage. 543-8830 get you on the, the phone here where you can ask that question. Uh, 543-8830. Go ahead and take a phone call here. We got Fred calling from beautiful San Luis Obispo. Good morning. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. Hey, good morning, guys. Yes, beautiful indeed. Yep. Hey, I'm, I'm tuning in a little bit on the later side, so I'm hoping I'm not asking a question that's already been asked. But it has to do with permits and uh, an additional room that I want to add um, between 300 to 400 square feet, and kind of like an office slash just extra storage space do i need a permit uh for something that small yes you do fred the goal i as far as added square footage you really do need a permit to add any square footage you can build a structure an auxiliary structure under 200 square feet without a permit and that is the golden rule with with as far as code compliance so you do need a permit it's a really simple thing potentially um are you in the city or in the county county you're in the county. So the county has a rule with uh, fire sprinklers, which is always a red flag. we got to look at every time. Um, but if you're not adding over 1,000 square feet, typically you're okay on that one because that will trigger all sorts of stuff. But, yeah, you know, a uh, basic permit process in the county is a pretty straightforward thing. You need a site plan. You need um, uh, an outline of your existing building. And then you need to show the details of how the new oh, building is going on. All stuff we do in our office. Um, so yeah. really straightforward. 
with the county and with the cities, nobody really does uh, over the county building permits anymore, even for minor so, stuff yes. that we found. Yeah. So you prep your documents, you submit, you wait four yeah. weeks, you get some comments, you answer them, you wait another two weeks, and then you're ready to go. Oh, I think they will. So you're kind of in an eight-week. Oh, yeah, eight six to yeah, eight once you include your time to handle documents uh, and whatnot. Um, so that, that, I mean, it doesn't have to be real expensive necessarily to go get a permit. Uh, what you're describing doesn't sound like anything crazy. It's a few hundred dollars of drawing and a few hundred dollars to an engineer and then a few hundred dollars to the County and you should be off and running. So like under a thousand. No, I, I was, I was using the few hundred very kindly. <laughs> ah. Um, you know, there's probably in total. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to shoot from the hip. You've got over $1,000 in permit fees there. You have uh, any engineer who touches anything has liability, so they have to charge for that, even if it only takes them three or four hours. So, mm -hmm. you know, maybe you get an engineer under 1000 for something that small, structural engineer. And then the drafting, like what we would do in our in our place, we're about $45, $50 an hour for drafting for something minor like that. And it's probably 10 hours of work. So... Two to three thousand, I think, out the door with a permit in hand would be something to to look for. Okay. Yeah. All right. Appreciate that. No Thanks problem. So Feel free to give us a call or stop our office if you just want to chat more about it or sketch it. I mean, all of what I just told you and anyone else is is you know we're over the radio here, so without a real review of the project, you know there could be a red flag in there you want to be aware of as far as setbacks, easements, um, building code zoning, things like that. Mm-hmm. Very but, good. Might be a All nice right, time to. Thanks for your time. Appreciate that. Thanks for the call. Have a good. Hey Dan, it might be a good time to offer up how people right. people can get a hold of you. Right. Yeah, you can give us a call. Our phone number is eight zero five two four two twelve eighty one. That's eight zero five two four two twelve eighty one. Our office is at four four two zero Broad Street, which is right across from the airport. We took over one of the old metal buildings there and turned it into, I think, one of the coolest building time experiences ever. And you come in and sit down and relax and uh, talk about your projects with uh, a great a great team. We're there eight to five. Even if our building staff is out running our jobs, we've always got a couple staff in the office um, ready to greet you if you just walk in and announce which happens, and that's always fun. So, But give us a call and let us know. Come on in. We'd love to chat with you. Um, it's pretty crazy what we can do between a big screen TV, Google Earth, the county's parcel map viewer, and some sketches, you know, we can have a pretty robust conversation right in our office. I, uh, I'm interested in, in doing an addition at my house at some point. And it's going to be really expensive. I know. <laughs> I, I, that's why I'm saving money. I haven't done anything yet. Um, but I'm curious, you know, what, walk me through it, what it would look like. Um, I think for me, my concerns are, um, I'm up in Atascadero and we're on a septic and the place where I could do my addition is on the opposite side of my structure and there's a lot of concrete slab in the way. Mm -hmm. um, I also, my electric panels way over on the other side. I, I have, uh, you know, I want the style of my house matched and it's like stucco and it's got some ornate detail and you know, I, all this kind of thing, but I, I would really would be curious if I came to you, where would we start and what would it look like to just kind of walk through what it would take for me to get on a path? Well, what we've tried to do, and I might have talked about it last time I was on, is we've designed a, a process that sort of looks at a project from every angle. We know that people don't necessarily have financing in order yet when they want to start this conversation. So we've got a three-step process. 
the first step we call feasibility or real-time design is really what we like to call it. Because what we do is we sit you down in our office for one hour and with a 3D design tool we use and an expert at manipulating it, we draw a model of your existing home and your proposed addition. And it's in scale and it's beautiful. And we have infinite amount of views. We can put it on Google Earth. We can look at the views out the back. We can look at how where the window needs to be to see how the sun's gonna set. We can study all that, but we do it in a matter of a few hours. So we just we have a step one, which we try to keep under a thousand dollars, and it doesn't always work that way depending on the size of the project. And where we do where we do a schematic 3D design of your project that you can look at. You can talk with your wife. You can put furniture in, kick it around, make sure it's what you really want. And then we do a whole detailed budget off that. And that's a unique um, thing we're able to offer because of how we work in our office with in-house estimating and whatnot. But we can take a, a model that has no structural information yet, but with what our knowledge and our background in structure and whatnot, we can estimate in detail every trade associated with that. We can put on all those trim details that you're thinking of. They're not necessarily drawn in detail yet, but we can budget for all of them. So you walk away with a 3D model of your project a full breakdown of the construction costs and included in that initial fee, we do a research. So we're going to look at zoning. We're going to look at setbacks. We're going to look at building department. We're going to look at you know, the size of your septic. We, you know, we're going to flush out all the big questions right up front. So you don't get any deeper with, and then hit a huge roadblock. So we're going to look at, is your septic big enough? We're going to look at, is your main lateral big enough to handle another toilet? Um, is is your AC you know sized correctly to handle the additional space? Are we going to need to put in a sub panel, or can we run it you know off of your old your old panels? Some of your old panels they discontinued the breakers, so we have to do a sub panel. So we come out and we sort out all that, and for one fee you've got a comprehensive plan that you can take to Central Coast Lending, start talking about how you're going to finance it, and exploring that. You can take it to whoever else you need to. So then if that all looks good and the money's in place, then basically we move forward with the permit process, which has also been outlined in that feasibility as far as the timing and the cost. And as and when we're in the permit process, we make we usually take that six to eight weeks to lock you into a construction contract. So we try to provide an upfront step one that's simple, easy, no further commitments. People can suss it all out. Hmm. So you, you want to sign up now? Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Yeah. Where do I sign? No, I, for me, it's going to come down to the financing piece too, because, um, and there's going to be other people that are like me as well, but I have a, an amazing fixed rate loan that I'm not going <laughs> to mess touch. with. So then, then it's like, well, if I'm going to use my house as collateral to do this, my only option is really going to be some sort of secondary financing. Mm -hmm. And there aren't too many people wanting to rush into second position for your hopeful improvement of value that you're going to undertake. So you kind of get, it does get to be a little bit of a rub. Right. Um, you know, ideally people call me up and say, Hey, can, can I do a construction loan? I'm going to do this addition. Um, well, the construction loan, that's a major pain in the booty. Mm -hmm. Do you have, what, what's the loan you have on your property? You have enough equity where we could just do a $70,000 cash out refi, park that money in your bank, and then you mm -hmm. just go do that. You're already into a one, one transaction, a fixed rate loan, and it's done and easy. 
if the financing you have is not an amazing 3% 30-year fixed or something like that where you have a financing need anyway, then that's generally a better way to tackle it. Uh, but sometimes people own other properties, so they could take out cash out of a different property or whatever, just kind of rearrange the portfolio a little bit to make it happen. And so I, like most people, am like, even though I'm a finance expert, I recognize what those hurdles are. And that's kind of what keeps me from doing this now. Right. Waiting for the, the next best opportunity. What, you being a typical client who would want to do an addition, would it be great for $800 if you could have the plan dialed in and the exact dollar amount that you need to do it? To know what it is. Yeah. yeah. And you can stare at it and get pumped every day and, you know. Yeah. Start saving your pennies and figure it out. And, and if you're even have something, if you're going to go have a conversation with someone else about financing, have something that at least, you know, lays out the plan and totally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I heard that, um, some of the DJs running around this station here are getting like free beds from, uh, the sleep (laughs) store. So maybe like the loan guy would be like, get a free plan from the building guy. You might be able to work that out. You might be able to work that out. Did you get? Have you ever gotten a free bed? I heard all you guys a, get free beds. Not a free bed, no. No, no. All right, it's not really free anyway. But just heavily discounted. They let you yeah, come take a nap at the store yeah, anytime <laughs> you want. You can come crash anytime. <laughs> Leave your shoes on. They got no. that clear thing at the end yeah. of the bed. We've had clients walk in, and, and we just we look we see them as a whole client. So we're vested to go with them down this journey to a finished product. So however we can make that happen, we have a client right now, Bluebird Salon. They're doing a brand new salon downtown, gorgeous TI. And they're financing. We sit with them. We help. We actually went to their private lending meeting with them and helped them pitch the whole project as the builder. You know, showed them the plan, everything. Helped them get the financing. She's in a, the owner's in an amazing spot working on this project. And um, a lot. I'm not. I shouldn't even say this in real. We've made different. We're a private business with flexibility. So if we need to carry the project until it gets to financing, things like that, we are able to do that. And it and it makes for fun relationships. Well, that's one of the beauties of working with a company where you can sit down with the owner and the guy that, you know, like that's how what you're describing is is one of the, the mantras for me in business is I do business with people the way I want business done with me. And oftentimes, you know, when I'm meeting with a client, they they don't fully understand the scale of what they're asking for. And I do and I can help provide some of that those missing parts and and maybe do something for them to, to sort of bridge and make the process a little bit easier for them that's what i really appreciate about dealing with locally owned um well-run businesses it, it's different that way yeah and the, the truth is if you're going to spend several hundred thousand dollars with us then we're in a position to help you we can be flexible you know if we if you're just a lawyer you're calling up and you're paying hourly there's really no there's nothing to it but because we're on board for the whole journey, you know, it just gives us a little bit of wiggle room. Yeah. So what's your, uh, give us some, some final comment here. Final comment. If you're looking at building, there are people out there who are excited to help you. I mean, Central Coast Lending with the lending side, there's different builders. There's us. We, we cover new construction. We cover tenant improvements. We've done quite a few different uh, downtown projects lately. Uh, we're a flexible, talented group of individuals who'd love to love to help you out. We have a place you can come that's inviting and easy and non-committal. Sit down and talk about a project um, at our office there at four four two zero Broad Street, and 
I don't know what else. I mean, building is down. You can't ignore that overall. But that doesn't mean, if I'm allowed to quote Rush Limbaugh, I choose not to participate in the downturn. <laughs> So, so as we choose not to, and if you're if you're thinking the same way, you can you can come and choose not to as well, and do some new fun stuff. Um, just to clarify, you are not allowed to quote Rush Limbaugh on our show. Right. Well, you got a seven second delay. Can... <laughs> Hit the dump, dump button. button. Dump that last minute right there. Yeah, we we're we're steering well clear of any political uh, stuff here on Mortgage Matters. Um, I'll just I'll just say I came up with that. Then. Yeah. Okay. Well, you could drop that quote all the same without giving any um, attribute to anyone. Uh, that guy didn't make that up, but that's how we feel about it, too. You know, through the, the whole recession and downturn here, um, you, we had plenty of peers that were sitting around belly aching and, you know, whining and crying about why life wasn't fair. And we elected to get up every day, put the boots on and go make some stuff happen. Um, that's the only option that exists. So, yeah, that, that's how I feel about that. Why don't you take a minute here again to tell us about your uh, phone number, website, address. If you want to get a hold of Ferrer Inc. Design Build, you can reach us at 4420 Broad Street, which is right across from the airport in San Luis Obispo. You can give us a ring at 242-1281, 242-1281. Uh, if you pop on our dated website, you'll find a, an email address that if you want to go that route as well. But uh, Ferrer Inc. Design Build, we, 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 we're pretty much a concept to completion builder, um, handle all sorts of things, whatever we can do for you, come on in. If we can't help you, we'll turn you on to someone else that, that can. Hey, well, I appreciate you coming in today. Um, I'm sure that at least some people are going to call you to get some business out of this. So soon I'm going to hit you up to be an advertiser on the show. I think we're already committed, actually. <laughs> okay, good. I'm thinking of a jingle. We can knock off your jingle. And... Don't worry. <laughs> Jingles piss people off. I'm not sure you want to do one of those. Um, hey, if you guys need any loan help at all, I'd love to be able to, to give you the straight talk about it. Like I said earlier, in terms of construction financing, uh, I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. I know what products exist. I'll tell you what opportunities there are for you in, in your situation. So if you want any help at all, feel free to call us. We'd love to hear from you. The number to our office rings all of the office. It's 543-LOAN, which is 543-5626. Additionally, you can go find information on the web. We put a ton of energy and time into our website, which is centralcoastlending.com. You can go take a cruise through and find out the content that's on there. I think you'll find something worth reading. Um, and you'll also find our contact info on there. So check out centralcoastlending.com. Give us a call this week if we can help you out. We'll be back next week for more Mortgage Matters. Thanks a bunch for being with us.